was doing a bit of rummaging, and in one of those boxes were audio cassettes of a show I used to do on the American Radio Network. In the past, I have found one show with Max Roach and one with Leon Redbone. Today, the tape that somewhat magically appeared in my hand was the time I spent on the air with composer-pianist Carla Blay. It aired live March 31st, 1990, as part of a series I was doing, which I thought, who haven't I interviewed that I've always wanted to talk to? I'm pretty tenacious when it comes to landing interviews, especially with people who have never heard of me. Even in the days before podcasts, and this is really proto-podcast stuff, she had no idea who I was. Yet, I persisted. Here it is, complete with station breaks and commercials. there i just uh, i'd like you to know that this is this weekend is my first anniversary here on the american radio network and um i don't know if you know this but i've always when there's a story that i've wanted to get or somebody that i've wanted to have on the show i really try hard now <laughs> on on February the 10th, um, we were supposed to have composer and pianist Carla Blay on the show. And we, we couldn't get her. I didn't know why. We had Don Cherry on the next week, and he said that she was in Japan with him. I figured she was in Japan. Okay. Couldn't do it. Then last week, we were supposed to have Carla Blay again. But... We still couldn't do it. Now, look. <laughs> Guess what? Carla Blay is our guest this hour, and we're going to have some fun. As Carla Blay is one of, those, one of those people in the world that I've always wanted to talk to. And you can, too. 1-800-825-5321. That's the phone number. Play the music, Stevie. We'll come back with Carla Blay. Hi, everybody. Tom D'Antoni on the American Radio Network. Our Jazz Masters series continues. And boy, has it been fun. You know, that's one of the great things about sitting here uh, is uh, I get to talk to people that I've always wanted to talk to. You know, I mean, I hope that you've heard them all. Don Cherry, Cecil Taylor, Max Roach, week before last, Keith Jarrett. Boy, that was an interesting one. Not the most pleasant conversation, but a very interesting conversation. <laughs> and this week, it's Carla Blay. Carla Blay. That's right, Carla Blay. And she is uh, on the line with us from Willow, New York. Hi, Carla. Hi. How are you? Oh, great. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> uh, we've uh, actually, we've called this series Jazz Masters, and, and you can find your records in the jazz section, um, do you consider yourself a jazz musician? Well, I'm not a master, I'm a mistress. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> now we've got the second part of the word. <laughs> um, I mean, do you, ever, do you deal with that? Do you call it jazz? Do you not call it jazz? Because there's so, so many different kinds of music out there that you find in the jazz section that isn't, 
know, John, well, Zorn, John Zorn's in the jazz section, you know? Well, look, jazz is a very highly developed art form, and I would like to someday be qualified to be called a jazz musician, but until then, I'm just, you know, a contender. <laughs> well, all right, put it that way. No, that's really the truth. I spent all my life trying to learn chord changes and stuff. It's very, very difficult, very advanced, and worth doing. But it's not easy. You can't just say, I am a jazz musician. Either you are or you aren't. And you can spend your whole life trying and fail, but I'm spending my life trying, and I hope I succeed. Well, I think, uh, I, I, w I would think that most of the people who, who, uh, ha who have your records and have listened to you would uh, say, yes, Carl, you've succeeded. Oh, please, <laughs> I hope that's true. <laughs> Why don't we talk a little bit about your new recording? Uh, Fleur Carnivore, what does that mean? Uh, well, that means Venus flytrap. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you call uh, call it that? I wanted, uh, because it was dedicated to Billy Strayhorn. It was a commission from a West German radio station to commemorate the 10th anniversary of the death of Duke Ellington. So I wanted actually to honor Billy Strayhorn instead because I always felt that he was the guy behind most of the best of the Duke Ellington band music. So I thought about him and I realized that he named a lot of things after flowers. I looked in my seed catalog and I didn't really take to any of the titles like, you know, Dandelion or uh, Petunia or Rose. But I finally got to one title that was interesting, and that was Venus Flytrap. I thought I would call it that until I realized Stevie Wonder had just put out an album with a tune on it called Venus Flytrap. So I translated it into French because I had been studying French for a couple of years. And in French, it was Fleur Carnivore. This is a big band recording. Is this? Uh... No, it's not as big as it can get. This is 10 horns. The next record I'm making is a true big band format, but this was a rather moderate big band, and now I'm going to very, very big band. How, how big? Uh, it's not as big as it could... It doesn't sound big. <laughs> if I said 50 people, that would sound big, right? Yeah. Well, it's 18. <laughs> but it sounds like 50? No, it sounds like a. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'd like to give uh, I'd like to give our listeners a, a little taste of the title cut from Fleur Carnivore. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, I could tell you that in German it's Venus Fliegenfalle. <laughs> and oh, that... I, no, I can tell you about it. There's a definite scenario. Okay. There is an insect. Let's say it's a fly, leading a very wonderful life flying around in the flowers, in the garden, in the sunlight. And all of a sudden, it flies near a very dangerous plant, uh, an animal-eating plant, a fleur carnivore, a Venus flytrap. And the Venus flytrap closes on the fly. That's after the alto solo. After you hear the alto solo and you hear something very sharp, that is the Venus flytrap closing on the fly. Then you get into the digestive system, which is, no, 
Yeah, that's that's Lou Solak. He's the digestive system, and he digests the fly. <laughs> and then uh, Bob Stewart starts. No, first Bob Stewart chews the fly, and then Lou Solak digests it. The fly is is a guy named Wolfie, my alpha player. But at the end, a very good thing happens. The spirit of the fly escapes from the trap and uh, lives forever uh, in, in the spirit state, although his body has been absorbed by the tuba and the trumpet. <laughs> and just goes off to fly heaven. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Let's hear a little bit of it. Title tune from Fleur Carnivore, Carnivore the uh, latest recording from Carla Blay. 
and uh, we had, did not get to the uh, eating or the digestion of the fly. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but that's okay, because um, now that the listeners have heard the first part, they'll certainly want to run out immediately and buy the recording, and so they can hear uh, the, uh, the uh, rest of it eating and the digestion and then the liberation of the fly spirit <laughs> going to fly heaven. <laughs> you know, at the beginning there, it sounded like one of them old winter flies that buzz around and, you know, and bump into things, but then he started flying pretty good. <laughs> uh, this was recorded, uh, um, did you record this at, at your studio? No, it was live. Ah, is that right? Now, you, you, you do have your own recording studio. Yeah. Yeah, that must be wonderful. Well, it's a terrific burden. It is? Yeah, you have to pay the rent every month. Well. I can't afford to use it myself. Is that right? Jeez. Hmm. Well. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk some more with Carla Blay. And if you'd like to talk to Carla Blay, you can call 1-800-825-5321. 1-800-825-5321. That's the phone number, a free call, even from a pay phone. We'll be right back. Hi, Tom D'Antoni on the American Radio Network. We're talking with Carla Blay. And uh, her newest recording is Fleur Carnivore, Venus Flytrap, <clears throat> if you don't speak French. And she is on the line with us from Willow, New York. Carla, um, I, I've, uh, people that I've talked to who, who, who love your music invariably, and also reviewers, invariably use the word clever when they describe your music. And there's... <laughs> There are so there are very few musicians, uh, composers who who work in a in a in a, uh, in, in, a in an elevated uh, um, uh, format as as you do, as you described it earlier, who make you laugh. And I, I don't I don't get I don't find the same kind of humor in your music as I do say in Lester Bowie. Because Lester Bowie will just make it go, ah, you know, and just just get a big a kick out of it. But there is a humor that 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 I find in your music, and and so many people that I know find in your music that is so subtle, and and it, and it just brings a smile. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, I don't think it's funny at all. Is that right? Yeah, I don't know what they're talking about. And when <laughs> they say quirky, I don't know what they're talking about either. I just I'm just trying to write normal music. Huh? And I don't think it's funny, and I don't think it's quirky. I don't think it's quirky either. No, I don't either. No, I don't think it's quirky. But I it. And it, it's not at all funny. Is well, it? I don't mean funny like like when when Lester Bowie's Brass Fantasy when they'll play Thriller. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like that. But but there are there are tunes uh, that just that just make me smile. Well, there are things in life that make me smile, too. <laughs> and usually it's something very irreverent. Uh-huh. And I suppose that that comes out, and I guess that's funny. I guess that's humor. <sighs> so I you're... mean, I can't get too, too sweet or I feel embarrassed. 
so sometimes I add something a little bit sour. Uh-huh. So it is there. I don't know. I'm, I'm making this up, because as far as I'm concerned, it's not funny, it's not quirky, it's not unusual, it's totally normal music. Uh-huh. Or at least it's an attempt at being normal. An attempt at being normal. <laughs> hmm. That's interesting. Um, But well, well, but what, what, but but when you're confronted with with uh, the, um, with people who do love your music and buy your records and and they say that that uh, that, that there's something in there that, that makes them not laugh, say, but 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 smile and a, and and sort of nod their head in a in a in a in a in, a, in, a, in that kind of way. How does it make you feel? No, that's good. I'm I'm very happy that there are, that there are people that like it and feel the same way. But I'm afraid they're very few. It's a it's a small world. That kind of relationship. If you want to reach a huge amount of people, then you have to say things and play things that everybody understands and I'm afraid that I say and play things that very few people understand so of course I value my audience because that means at least there's someone out there that feels like I do yeah so I'm well I really value that oh, I think I think there are a lot of people who you know who feel the way you do and I, I'll tell you another thing that that I've run across and in, 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 in people who, who do like your music they, they always say to me I wonder why she doesn't step out more and, and take and take solos or do a solo record are, are we ever gonna see ever gonna hear that well there was the duets record yeah and that's almost so uh -huh. and in the new big band the big huge band yeah I'm I'm the pianist. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm going to take a solo, but I'm going to be playing all the accompaniment. I really am not a pianist because I don't have the dexterity, and I don't think quickly. So I can play an absolutely great solo, but it will take a very long time, and everybody would just, you know, go do something else before I got to my <laughs> ultimate statement. That's the problem. That's what makes me a good composer. I'm very slow, uh -huh. and I do it right, but it takes a long time. All right, well, I have to do a uh, network break, and Carla, I don't know if you know this, but network breaks, that's what thats what people live for who are broadcasters. When they get to tell everybody that what they're doing is listening to the American Radio Network. Well, now that I said that, and uh, where, is this, where is your radio station? Well, this is a network. This is an actual radio network. It's all over the country. The American Radio Network has uh, 250 affiliates all over uh, the United States, and, um, and a lot of them are listening right now. And uh, when I gave the network ID, then what happened was 
um, the local stations came on and they told everybody what they were listening to. What, yeah, but where are you sitting right now? I am sitting in Baltimore, Maryland. Ah. That's right. Baltimore. Okay. There's a caller on the line. Uh, Carla, let's talk to uh, Mike in Reno, Nevada. Uh, hi, how are you doing? Hi, how's the weather? Uh, beautiful. <laughs> Sun's just gone down. We have eight inches of snow. Ooh. Really? It's been, been real springy here. <laughs> Uh, I was wondering if, uh, Carla, if you would uh, tell uh, who some of the musicians you were working with on uh, your last several recordings, and uh, I'm not going to ask any favorite musician, um, and also I was wondering if uh, you could speak about uh, your label and uh, how you're doing your records, say, from back in the time of uh, dinner music and the Watt, Watt 6 label on up to what you're doing now, and if you could also talk about uh, whether you would, what what size ensemble you would uh, you most like to write for or most like to perform in. Oh, God, that's very complicated. But let me answer the last one first. Okay. Right now I've been writing for Standard Big Band. I've been doing this for a year now. And that means four trumpets, five reeds, four trombones, and rhythm section. And this is what I've been totally fascinated with, infatuated with, maybe, you know, because sometimes I get tired of something after a while. But that's what I'm doing right now. And I'm preparing for an album in November of an entire big band, which is hard to write because there's a lot of instruments, a lot of notes on the page, and it's very expensive to hire the guys. The question before that about what is, what is my record company? There are now about 22 records on what. We also have a subsidiary called Extra Watt, which has records of friends of mine. It's sort of like a family business. Altogether, we have 26 records that we've made ourselves, and I'm very proud of that. And before that, uh, what you asked about the guys in the band, well, Gary Valente is my trombone player for life. I mean, he's a difficult person. I can hardly stand to be in the same room with him. <laughs> he's awful, awful man. Jeez. But he plays just the way I like to hear it. And, of course, then, the rhythm section is quite important. Steve Swallow has to be in my band. If I didn't have Steve Swallow, I would quit music. My drummer, hopefully, for the next tour is Victor Lewis. I've asked him to do the last three tours, mm -hmm. and he's been too busy, but this one he swears he will do. The percussionist I'm using, and the only one I would consider using, is Don Elias. If he can't make it, then I won't have a percussionist. The other people I'm using, I have sort of also found this guy in New York that everybody says, oh, no, you must be kidding. But it's Lou Soloff, the greatest trumpet player in New York. Carla, let me interrupt you one second so that we can play the American Radio Network theme song as soon as he finds it. <laughs> Sorry we had to do that, but 
They don't pay me unless we do that. No, it's not your fault or my fault. This guy just got <laughs> such a long... No, that, no, it's, it's, it's fine. And, and continue. Lou Soloff is your trumpet player. Lou Soloff is my trumpet player. I found my trumpet player. He used to belong to Gil Evans. And when Gil died, he gave him to me. So I've got Lou now. And then I've got an English tenor player, Andy. Well, I, I think that Andy Shepard is probably the tenor player for me, although that's hard to tell because I really hate saxophones in general. But if I have to choose a tenor player, it's Andy Shepard from England. My alto player is Wolfie Kushnick from Austria. And once again, I must say, I despise all saxophone players, and Wolfie <laughs> is the least objectionable to me. But I'm really a brass person. I like, first I like rhythm section, then I like brass. So I'm very particular about who my brass players are. And then as far as the saxophones go, I just, you know, go for the least objectionable. Is, is it saxophones you don't like or saxophone players? I, I <laughs> love the saxophone. I myself am a saxophone player. I play C melody uh -huh. like nobody else in the world. <laughs> I play it about once every three years. <laughs> And believe me, it sounds like no one else. But most saxophone players are too fluent for me. They have, it's an easy instrument to play. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't like easy instruments, whereas brass is very difficult. You so, are... You know, I think I've about answered it. Except one more thing. Yep. For the album in the fall, I'm using mostly European musicians because I don't have to fly them. Uh-huh over there we're doing a european tour and recording in england so i can't bring a lot of guys from new york i just bring the lead people on in each section and the rest of the guys will be uh guys that i pick up over there because i'm not a millionaire mm -hmm. well mike how's that that's uh that's great i thank you and yeah. also good luck with uh i hope victor does work with you i know victor from my hometown uh we a long time ago. You must be from Nebraska. Omaha. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of common friends. Victor I haven't seen Victor in years. But... Pardon me? That's just the best. All right. Th thanks for calling, Mike. Uh, thanks. Good call, to, uh, call me again. We'll be listening. Bye-bye. All right. Um, Carla, you, you always, always have a strong trombone player. And there's always a, uh, always a, uh, the, the trombone has a, a a place in your music like no like no no one else's. What is it about the trombone that you like? Well, I don't think I like most trombone players. I just like a certain kind. I mean, I just really like Valente right now. I used to like Roswell Wright. Mm -hmm. Then I thought Valente was even better. And I think some trombone players say that you mustn't play as loud as Gary does because you'll ruin your chops or you'll burn out too soon. But Gary plays like, you know, death is right around the corner. And he doesn't care if he destroys himself. So I don't really like the more sedate, polite trombones whatsoever. I like Gary Valente. I also love Bob Stewart, the tuba player. Mm -hmm. Not because I love tubas, but because Bob plays it so great. It's individuals. It's all individuals. Mm. I don't like any particular instruments more than others. It's just... No, that's not true. I do like brass better than reeds. 
All right. We have to take a short commercial break here. When we come back, we'll talk to Carla Blay some more. The number is 1-800-825-5321. If you'd like to talk to Carla Blay, we'll come back. As part of a group with owners of thousands of independent businesses across the country, as you know, there's power in numbers. And with those kinds of numbers, you can have your own business and great health insurance coverage through Transport Life, too. If you employ fewer than 15 people, you may qualify. Call 800-972-1000 for more information. 800-972-1000. Ask for American Health Care. Hi there. Tom D'Antoni on the American Radio Network. We're talking with Carla Blay. And, uh, Carla, I'd like to play another uh, part of another cut from uh, your latest recording, which is available this very minute in, uh, in record uh, tape and CD stores all over America. And uh, as soon as we're off the air, uh, I would recommend that uh, all of our listeners go buy it, wouldn't you? Huh. It's probably late at night. I don't think that's possible. Sure it is. On the hey, listen, it's 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 uh, twenty minutes to seven on the West Coast. That's true. Sto stores are open. Everybody Absolutely. Should eat dinner. Go to sleep. <laughs> well, I think they ought to buy it. <laughs> this this uh, tune is called "Song of the Eternal Waiting of Canute." What the hell does that mean? Oh, that's from a Malcolm Lowry poem. Uh huh. Malcolm Lowry, you know, wrote Under the Volcano. You right. know that novel? That mm -hmm. really difficult novel about a drunk? Uh-huh. Then afterwards, he loved his book so much that he wrote a poem called For Under the Volcano. <laughs> and I was asked to write a mini opera for, I forget, somebody. And, and uh, I used the words of the Malcolm... Uh, it had to use words by Malcolm Lowry. I was given a book of poetry by Malcolm Lowry and asked to choose one poem to write music to it. So I read the book for a long, long time and chose one thing called Four Under the Volcano. And in there was a line that spoke of Song of the Eternal Longing of Canute. And I looked up Canute it was a Danish, this is so boring, it was a Danish king a long time ago who tried to command the waves to stop waving. In other words, he went to the side of the ocean, tried to stop the water, and failed. So he eternally longed to stop the water. That was Canute's longing, and oh, that's so boring. That's why it's called Song of the Eternal Waiting of Canute, because it means there's no way to stop water. <laughs> and there's no way to stop us from listening to it either, so let's do that.
uh, Song of the Eternal Waiting of Canute. <laughs> and uh, that's from Fleur Carnivore, the uh, latest recording from Carla Blay, who's on the line with us, from Willow, New York. Um, the number is 1-800-825-5321, 1-800-825-5321, if you would like to talk to Carla. And uh, there's a line open for you if you'd like to get through, which is fine. Uh, how does uh, <laughs> your, your husband, Michael Mantler, is involved in all this. Yeah. How does that work out? I mean, uh, working so close, and, and I mean, music is such an such an intimate thing. Uh, although I guess if you if you think that Gary Valenti, the tr the trombone player, is a really rotten person, and can work so closely with him, I guess how does that work? <laughs> oh, Mike is rotten too. Is he? All men are rotten, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Well, how how about? Why don't we talk about your daughter instead? Rotten. A rotten kid, a bad seed. Is that right? Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> do you think her do you think her, her, her record's rotten too? Uh she's about to make another one, so obviously I don't think it's that rotten. <laughs> but I think she writes about childish things, stupid holidays, childish friends, uh I think she's very immature. Is that right? Yeah. Does she know that you feel this way? Yes. And what does she say? She says, Mom, I'm only 12. <laughs> she's not 12. <laughs> How old is she? No, she's really old. She's like 43. <laughs> <laughs> How can you say such a thing about uh, um, uh, uh, a woman who would write a song like Best of Friends? Really, wasn't that charming? I was, I must, I was taken off guard, and for one day I gave her her allowance. But no, seriously, I mean, I gotta be serious. Uh huh. Mike and Karen are part of my family. Yeah. And we work together, and we've got a good deal going. I mean, better than most people. Yeah. We have. I mean, at this point, Mike is doing all the administration and all of the management and a million things. He's got a computer, he figures out what the royalties are, he calls ahead and finds out if I've got the best hotel in town, he books a good restaurant. He's really fantastic. And he's a composer as well who in his spare time tries to write music, but of course he's very busy handling all the affairs of the company. Yeah. Karen is a good kid. She is a great writer, but she hasn't earned a cent in her life. It cost me a small fortune. She's working at CBGB's next week, and I think I might get off with paying only a couple hundred dollars for cards. Until she starts making a living, I can't really consider her as a, as, as a wonderful, you know, successful person. Yeah. I'm sort of investing in her. Well, I, I think we ought to let everybody hear what she thinks of you. Oh. Let's play that, play that, Stevie. No words could describe the affection that I 
We'll be back with Carla Blay in just a minute. I'm D'Antoni on the American Radio Network. I'm talking, uh, we've been talking with Carla Blay this hour, and it's uh, it's been fun. Um, Carla, uh, of course, is the uh, unfunny, non-quirky um, head of the Brady Bunch in Willow, New York. <laughs> uh, we were just uh, listening before to uh, um, a cut from her daughter Karen Mantler's um, recording my cat Arnold and uh, that was of course about her mom what did you say to her when she played that for you the first time oh well I I told her it was stupid <laughs> and that she should write more mature songs <laughs> so her next album is called my cat Arnold gets the flu <laughs> and it's all about being sick in the winter time I think someday, you know, she will mature, you uh-huh. know, like normal people. Yeah. I have. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> it's hard. I mean, I, I, I've hardly ever met a musician who you could really call, call mature. Because <laughs> musicians are different from everyone else. I think people who aren't musicians are, are not as lucky as those who are. Because when bad things happen to you, and you're a musician, you take it out on your music or in your music. Mm-hmm. And a bat, the worst thing that can happen to you is uh, you get a great tune out of it. <laughs> so I really, I don't understand how people who aren't musicians cope with bad things because the way musicians do it is put it into their solo, into, into their writing. You know? uh-huh. Yeah, well, I, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I live with a poet so um, uh, I know how she does it. That's the same thing. <laughs> it is the same thing. Yeah, yeah it's very close. But here. it doesn't sell as well as music. Boy, tell me about it. <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I know, but poets are—they're so difficult to live with. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, listen, Carla, thank you very much for spending this time with us. It's really been very interesting, and, and, and everyone should go immediately, uh, uh, should leave, uh, leave their house right now, go down to their, the nearest record store and buy Fleur Carnivore uh, by Carla Blay, and it's on the Watt label distributed by ECM and everybody else in the world. Um, and, uh, well, maybe, uh, maybe you can talk to us again after you record this, this even bigger band record, and, and, and we can play some of that and talk to you some more. That record will be called the Very Big Carla Blay Band. <laughs> <laughs> it's the band that's big, right? Not Carla Blay. Well, on the cover of the album, it's a picture of my face, but only my nose. <laughs> Oh boy! Well, listen. You know, you you, you, might, you might as a promotional thing for it. You might want to like get a like a a, a, a Macy's Parade sized balloon of yourself. 
Thank you, Carla, for talking with us. And um, um, it's been fun. You, you're welcome. Okay. We're going to go out uh, this hour with uh, a cut from Fleur Carnivore. And it's uh, the last cut on it. It's called Healing Power. American Radio Network.